Although Indra was so powerful that he could neutralize the sinful reaction of killing a Brahman, he repentantly accepted, accepted the burden of the reaction with folded hands. He suffered for one year and then to purify himself, he distributed the reaction for the sinful killing among the eight water trees and women. Bhumi striyam jagraha katha pura vare navai idhanaham brahma hatyaya rupam bhumahu prasayidayate In return for killing in this benediction, the ditches in the air to be filled automatically. The land accepted one fourth of the sinful reaction of killing a Brahman. Because of the sinful reactions, we find many deserts on the surface of earth. Because deserts are manifestations of earth's disease condition, no species ritualistic ceremony can be performed in a desert. Persons disdain to live in deserts are understood to be sharing the reactions for the sin of Brahmahatya. The killing of the Brahman. So that was the verse, Kendo 6, chapter 9, text 7. So we continue from 8 tomorrow. So what do we learn from this? What is the lesson from this? So I'll try to give an overview of what is to be coming in the future text. You know, this is basically. Uh, almost appearance of which Vritrasut, uh, you know. So now you can see a lot of people in a lot of religion even actually says that we should go to the heavenly planets. And of the heavenly planet, who is the who is in charge of that? Indra. So even Indra, you know, first. He, what he did was, he committed offense to his Guru Maharaj, Brahaspati, right? He was so much uh, engaged in sense gratification that way he did not respect his spiritual master. Now, so the lesson we have to learn from this is that we have to be very be careful, you know, with our spiritual master. And who is a spiritual master? It's not only those whom we take diksha from. In our Sampradaya, Siksha Gurus are more, you know, treated as higher than even Diksha Gurus. It is nice if the Siksha Guru and Diksha Gurus are same person. But, you know, if you look at Bhakti Vinod Thakur, you know, who, who was his Guru? But whom do we know him as Guru? He, was, he did not take initiation from Jagannathas Babaji. His Guru's name was Pipinda, something like that. Uh, so, we in our Guru Siksha Gurus are very important, you know. So, we have to be very careful not to offend them, you know. Right? So, that's the first lesson, you know. And if you offend them, what happens? You lose everything, you know. Indra and the demigods lost everything. Now, one person commits the offense, right? That's the next lesson, you know. The whole family gets affected. The all the demigods have got affected and they were kicked out of the heavenly planet, right? So, First mistake, offenses to the Guru. Then Lord Brahma told them to accept Vishwarupa as his Guru, you know. And then he did a lot of austerities and prayers and things like that, you know. And the demigods won the kingdom back because they were very powerful. Now, what he gave or what he told them was the Narayana 
covered. So this is how they said you get protected. So how do we protect ourselves? We don't know all the mantras, we don't have the time to do that. So how do we protect ourselves? And? Huh? And? And? We put tilak on our body. So every morning, after taking bed, whoever is listening to this class, you know, put tilak on there. Regardless whether you're going to walk, you have a shower, you put tilak on there. And this is how we protect our body. This is what Prabhupada has given us. You know, we change the mantra, Om Keshwaya Namah, Om Narayana Namah, Om Madhvaya Namah. Then we put tilak on there and we put tulsi leaf at the bottom, at the lotus feet of the Lord, you know. So we have tulsi on 12 parts of our body, right? This is how we protect our, this is our coverage, right? Um, Srila Gurudev, Swamastama Krishna Goswami Maharaj was in uh, Fiji and the driver was going to take him to a program which was quite a bit far away. He was a bit late, you know, he had his own business, so he came and then he quickly shower and put on his clothes. And the first thing Gurudev asked, did you put your tulip? He said, no, still Gurudev, we are getting light. He said, don't ever do that. Takes a minute or two, you know, to put the tilak on. But you don't know how much danger we are at every moment. This tilak will protect you, you know. Once there was, I was reading somewhere, there is a person who died under a tree. And there was a bed that was sitting on top. So she passed through and it fell on the forehead. And the Yamdutas came, you know, to take this guy away. And they saw that and they saw it was tilak, you know, and they left him alone. <laughs> yeah, so this is how powerful this is, you know. So this is very important that we put tilak on. We put this kanti mala, it's very nice. But the thing is that this can break, right? But the tilak will always be there. So it's very important to put the tilak. Even you go to hospital, you know, first thing they do is take this out, you know, if they have, if it is a serious situation, you know. But the tilak stays on the body. So that is our kavach. Now because of that kavach, right, who was given, I think, initially by the Dichi, right, to, it was given to Vishwarupa's uh, father, right, who gave it to Vishwarupa, who gave it to uh, Indra, right. So if you look at it, you know, so, and Brahma told them, okay, go and take, accept Vishwarupa as your spiritual master, your priest, because Braspati is gone, do all these yagas, whatever you need to do, you know, then you're going to get the ability to actually take the kingdom back. So Vishwarupa, who was he? He, one of his parents was from a demonic family, he was a demon, right? I don't know whether his mother or the father. And the, the other parent was from a demigod. So he had uh, a loving affection for both of them. So while he was doing all these yagas, you know, that's what he's telling here, that's where we are at the moment, right? He was secretly also offering oblation on behalf of the demons. Uh, now, now, if you look at Indra, you know, he's a devotee of Krishna. 
But what kind of a devotee he is? He's a Sukam devotee. You know what a Sukam is? He's a devotee of Krishna, but he also wants to enjoy material occurrences. So he wants also to have sense gratification. He's also a devotee of Krishna. And Akam devotees are those who don't have any desire, you know, if they have any issues, they have any problems, they don't go to Krishna. They just want to save him with love and devotion. So these are pure devotees. So the demigods are one of those devotees who are, you know, have material desires, right? So they want to enjoy, enjoy their. Now you look at it, Indra, not long ago, offended his spiritual master. And now what he does again? He kills the next one. <laughs> First one was just offensive, second one he kills him, he cuts three of his heads, you know, right? So, why? Because he was scared that demigods will become more powerful and take his kingdom. So this is the difference between, you know, a pure devotee, he doesn't care, he accepts everything as the ministry of the Lord, and while those who are karmis or doing karam yoga, this is what they are doing, karam yoga, they are doing karam, but they're connecting it to Krishna, they are scared of losing their opulences and he killed him. Right? So, after killing him, his father, he got very upset, you know, just like anybody would, you know. Right? And Indra also got a reaction because he not only killed the Brahman, but he also killed his spiritual master. Right? So, he got a lot of sins for that. Right? And uh, he suffered for a year. He could have contradicted it because of his position, right? But what he did was, after one year, then he passed it on to four different peoples. One quarter is who are those? Uh, Earth, women, trees, and water. Okay, I've got a question for you. When I was reading this, you know, what happens in the water? How do you do this? So does that mean we can't bring any of these fizzy drinks because there's no bubbles in there? Does the bubbles mean it is sin? Because that's, that's the sign of sin in there, you know, right? Uh, the trees have sap coming out of it that we should not drink, right? Because it should not be taken because it's the... Uh, and uh, the women, you know, they have their menstrual cycle, you know, the period. You know. So you should blame Indra for all these, you know, the problems that women have. You know. right. So this is how he actually distributed his own uh, sin to others so that he could be purified of it. You know. uh, and then what happens? His father, you know, Vishwarupa's father does a yagna and what was his desire to increase the Dima, or enemies of Lord Indra, right? But because he did not chant the mantra properly, instead of increasing the number of, you know, he wanted many more enemies of Indra, one demon came out of the fire. And what was his name? Vritrasur. What does Vritra mean? Vritrasur. So Vritrasur was very powerful. He was blackish in color. It's described that he looked like a mountain that has been bent with fire, so it was all black, you know, and he was very, very strong. When they did the chaining of the ocean, they 
He used a snake, right? What was the name of the snake? His body, his arms were thick like that. You know, so just imagine how strong he was, right? And when, when the demigods saw that, they tried to attack him. And he swallowed all their weapons, you know. So, you know, and there was, they didn't have a, any chance of actually winning there. So they, be, they got uh, despondent and they went to Brahma. Brahma or? No, they went, they actually worshipped Vishnu. And Vishnu actually told them what to do. Uh, what was this, Vishi? The Dichi. So he said, go and get a thunderbolt, right? Made out of his bones. Right? This person was so powerful. Remember when we were talking about the Narayana Kavaja? He was the one who actually gave it. So he was already protected by that. So he said, I'm in his bones in our head. Well, Lord Vishnu told him, and if you take that and kill him, you know. So they went to this person and said, we need your bones, you know. Just, just imagine, you know, you go to a person and says, we basically want you dead, you know. Because he can't get the bones unless that person is killed, you know. And then, yeah, he said, okay, you know. And because he was a devotee of Krishna, he said, it's time to leave the body. Rather than my body being eaten by jackals, at least jackals and you know, dogs, you know, at least it will be better used this way, you know. So he gave his body up and they made a uh, thunderbolt out of that, you know. And then the war started again. So by this time, because the demigods were protected, they became very powerful, you know, and they were more powerful than the demons, you know. And then the fight started. And uh, all the demons started running away because they could not, you know, they started hitting him, but they could they destroyed all their weapons and everything, you know. And Vitasur basically was fighting there alone, you know. So <coughs> prepare a little bit, right? About old age means used to us, you know. So we it's basically Vithasur, the godly demon, right? The Vedic literatures contain many histories meant to enlighten us with transcendental knowledge and teach us valuable lessons so that we can progress on the spiritual path. The Srimad Bhagavad in particular is filled with such stories. And one of the stories here is about Vithasura. One deals with the demon named Vithasura. Despite playing the role of a demon, Vithasura is actually a very elevated bhakti yogi. He was created in a sacrificial fire to fight Indra, the king of heaven. Vitrava Shuru was so powerful that he struck fear everywhere and was able to fight an enemy of demigods by himself. Army of demigods by himself. What Matrutasura so glorious Ava is, is not his immense strength as a fighter but rather his level of spiritual elevation. So, this is the most important thing, you know, to understand that he was not only a great fighter, but he was a devotee of Krishna, you know. he was a bhakti yogi, you know. During the battle, Vrittasura struck Indra with an iron mace and, to, and disarmed him, and Indra loses courage to fight. So, in that way, if you really look at it, you know, uh, Indra had actually lost the fight, you know, right, and 
Vritasura did not kill him, you know. While, when the demigods were fighting and the demons were running away, the demigods were shooting them from behind, which is not the right way to fight, you know. The right way to fight is that if you are fighting with somebody, if your opponent does not have a weapon, you give them a weapon and then fight. Not like today's fighting, you know, you just come and bomb a place, you know, you know whom you are killing, you know. But this was the actual way of fighting, you know. And the demigods not were, were doing that. But here, a demon, you know, is trying to follow the etiquette of fighting, you know. Vita then begins a philosophical disclosure with Indra and encourages him to keep fighting. So he's encouraging his opponent to fight. During the discussion, Vita reveals his status as an advanced bhakti yogi. Just as a person not inclined to die must nonetheless give up his longevity, opulence, fame and everything else at the time of God, at de death. So at the appointed time of victory one can gain all these when the Supreme Lord awards them by his mercy. So what, did, what does this mean? At the time of death what happens? You lose everything, right? Your fame, your longevity, whatever your bank balance is, you know, your wife, your children, your prestige, your nationality, nothing goes with you. Everything is finished. Right? Same way, by the mercy of the Lord, when victory comes, you can get all of those things. But you have to understand it only happens because of the mercy of the Lord. Right? Without the mercy of the Lord, nothing can happen. Right? So we have to understand that whatever we have, it's only given to us by the mercy of the Lord. You know? If Krishna gives us something, then we can actually, otherwise we lose everything in, in there. You know? Since everything is dependent on the supreme will of the personality of Godhead, one should be equipoised in fame and defection, victory and defeat, life and death. Right? So, we should accept everything as the will of the Lord. Whatever comes our way, we should accept it. We should not fight it. You know? um, sometimes it's difficult. You know? I had somebody ask me this question where the husband was not a devotee, the wife was a devotee, and there was a lot of mistreatment, you know. So how do you answer these questions, you know? Should the wife should accept this as a mercy of the Lord and try to, you know, tolerate it, be tolerant? You know? What's the answer to it? So I said, you know, general principle in our is if it is favorable to a Krishna conscious, accept it. If it is not favorable, leave it and keep moving. You know. So you have to weigh this, you know, right? Whether it is favorable to you, you know. You know. And if it is not, then leave it. Because what we have to understand is that, as it will be further discussed, you know, in, in the coming uh, days as the lectures are given, is that everything is temporary, you know. When um, uh, Chit, uh, Chitraketu, you know, when he loses his son, you know, Narad Muni and uh, Angira, right, they come to actually preach to him. And while they're preaching to him, he, they tell him, you know, everything is temporary, you know. Before the birth of the child, before the birth of your son, he right, he was not your son. And after that, he's not your son. 
So whatever is happening is temporary, it's for a small period of time, you know. So same thing with us, you know, our husband, our wife, our properties, everything is temporary. Temporary means, you know, so don't get attached to this, you know, don't get attached to this body, you know, don't spend too much time in front of the mirror every time you're decorating it. Now the more you look at it, the more you get attached to it, you know. Keep it simple, you know, right? Use it, you know, um, Look after it because you are using it in Krishna's service, you are using it in the service of a spiritual master. Right? And that's what we do, you know, you don't get too attached to it, you know. So, so it, since everything is dependent on the supreme will of the personality of God, one should be equipoised. So, we must be, regardless of what the situation is, we should not be, try to at least, you know, make an endeavour to do that, you know. In the effect represented by happiness and distress, one should maintain oneself in equilibrium without anxiety. One who knows that the three qualities, goodness, patience and endurance, are not qualities of the soul but qualities of the material nature. And who knows that the pure soul is simply an observer and the action of reactions and the qualities should be understood to be a liberated person. He is not bound by the three qualities. So what we have to know is that since we are not this body, the body is affected by the three modes of material nature, right? Since we are not this body, the soul has nothing to do with the body in the body, right? Because body is external energy of the Lord, right? Made of those 24 elements, you know. But, so the soul is entrapped, entrapped in the body. So it's like you are the passenger in a car, right? You are not the car. And if if you can just sit back and relax and just see that everything is working, you are just the driver in the car, then you don't get affected by all these things. Right? Pain, suffering, all this comes. People die, you can see that. Everything is happening by the will of Lord. You don't get affected by somebody dying, you don't get affected by somebody born, being born. You know? Somebody gets diseased and everything. At the end of the day, you know, when it's time to go, you don't think of anything, you know, if you are lucky. You know. If you get too attached to anything material, you know, as Srila Prabhupada said that if you have a little bit of desire, you go and you are devoted, you go to the heavenly planet, you know, you know, and then enjoy there and hopefully you can go back from there, you know. But the best is, you know, you ask Krishna, you know, to give us enough problems, you know, you know. <laughs> in our life, you know, I was actually talking to Radha Charan's wife, Krishna Premi Mataji, I said, she said, they're from China, you know, China has made it so strict, even they can't go back, you know, she has to stay here five months before she can go back to her own country, you know, and they have to do like seven PCRs, you know, like that, you know, it's like hell, you know, they have to get a code 24, within 24 hours of traveling, you know, like that, you don't get it, you can't go, you know. And she's saying, it's so hard, you know, so difficult. I said, yeah, it's Krishna's special mercy, you know. See, you know, I said, you, we get to like this place so much. And when you like this, you want to stay here. If things become easy, you know. If he gets, I said, he wants to, it's a special mercy. He's trying to make you hate this place so much that when you leave this body, I said, don't want to do anything with this place. You know. Please, Krishna, take me. So this is special mercy when actually we have. And we should pray like that, you know. And Krishna is very merciful, you know. He'll help you go through this, you know. He'll give you as much you can tolerate, you know. 
So, Vishwa Sura had a deep insight for demon. Despite fighting for his life, he speaks on various principles of Bhakti Yoga. The first is to recognize the fleeting nature of all opulence, fame, relative love between everything else in the world. Understanding the consistent nature of such things serves as an impetus for one to search for higher meanings of eternal life. The soul is eternal and thus it needs greater fulfillment than basic bodily pleasures. So that's what we have been discussing. Admitting our dependence. Vishwasur also recognized that everything is dependent on God, on Krishna. And we should understand this. This is probably one of the main reason the day you actually understand that we are dependent on Krishna Krishna is the supreme enjoyer you know he is the one our only well-wisher we are totally dependent on him we have no ability to do anything you know in Bhagavad Gita Krishna says he gives us remembrance and he gives us forgiveness you know so even me speaking here now if he doesn't give me the remembrance I can't speak anything if he doesn't give me the intelligence I can't actually say anything you know we can't do anything without intelligence, So, everything in that way, this body belongs to him. It's not ours. We are just in the body. The car belongs, you know, the vehicle is his, right? We are just using it. And even the vehicle, the car can't work unless the super soul is in there, you know? So, what are we doing? We can't do anything, you know? We should be just grateful that by mercy of Srila Prabhupada, Roma, our spiritual master, we are able to use this body in some way to save the Lord, you know. Acknowledging our dependence on God is spiritual elements in Bhakti Yoga. For some, the idea of being dependent of God is frightening. And this is the problem. We don't want to be dependent on somebody. What does dependence mean? That the other person can do anything they want. Right? But we should understand that God, however, is very kind and merciful to us. And He will ensure that those who surrender to Him face no difficulties. Right? So if you surrender unto Krishna, Krishna God, just like Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, you know, but those who always worship me with exclusive devotion, meditating on my transcendental form, to them I carry what they lack and I preserve what they have. Chapter 9, verse 22. Right? So, as Prabhupada said, you know, as I heard, I think Srila Buddha is saying also that, you know, at the time of death, you know, Krishna is so merciful. If you are surrendered, if you have saved him, you know, whatever he lack, you lack, he'll carry you forward, you know. Right? As long as you don't have material desires, you know. So, the more we do service, you know, and the beauty about Srila Prabhupada is, you know, Prabhupada has a very special position. He is a pure devotee of Krishna. 500 years ago when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came and he said that, you know, somebody going to spread his name all over the world. You know, if you look at it, you know, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Nityananda, you know, the Panchatattva, they distributed this knowledge but they only did it in India, right? Then they had to, you know, you look at Srila Prabhupada's position, you know, he did it for the rest of the world. It where it was most difficult, you know. You know it's so difficult, you know. And um, I see Radha Chan preaching, Radha Chan Prabhu preaching in China, man, it is so difficult, you know, it's not just preaching and, you know, you give them knowledge, give them Bhagavad Gita, it's basically spoon feeding them. 
It's like being their parents, you know. It's talking about their all their life, all the problems, you know. Right? And now it's more difficult with the lockdown and everything. People are getting all mental and everything, you know. And China is the uh, is the lowest of all the places, you know. You know. And Prabhupada, by his mercy, you know, he's been doing this all over the world, you know. You know. So we are very fortunate in that way, you know. Thus Krishna encourages us to depend on Him, worship Him and meditate on Him. When we rely on our strength and ability, we are held back by our shortcomings. So the, as long as we depend on Krishna, we are good. If we depend on ourselves, we are in big problem, you know. When we depend on God, however, He enables to overcome any obstacles we may face in our life and retain whatever we have. Moreover, Krishna assures us that He is our friend. Right? So Krishna is our friend. So if our friend, the nature of the friend is it always helps the other friend. You know. Now we every day say, hey Krishna, Karuna, Sindhu, Deen Bandhu, Deen Bandhu is the friend of everybody. His friend is the friend of the most fallen. If you look at Krishna's position, you know, he's so great, he's God, he doesn't need anything. And then he comes and becomes a friend of a fool like me, you know. Fool like us, you know. So he's there, you know. And, you know, our wife, our husband may leave us, our children may leave us, you know, our parents are somewhere, we are here, we left them, you know. At the time of death, everybody leaves us, but there's one person who never leaves us, our true friend, right, is Krishna, you know. So if you really want somebody, you know, have friendship, then have a friend that you'll never lose, you know. There's no one better than Krishna, you know. Krishna says, I envy no one, nor am I partial to anyone. I am equal to all, but whoever renders service unto me is a, in, in devotion, is a friend. is in me and I am also a friend to him. Right? So all we have to do is render service unto him in devotion. Right? This is what Bhakti Yoga is. You know. Save Krishna with love and devotion. You know. Whatever you do, you try to do it with love and affection. Don't do it out of duty. Try to do it out of love. So how do you do it out of love, you know? For example, if you're doing something, you know, just like for you're cooking, you know, don't think, okay, I want to cook. No, think about what Krishna would like to eat, you know, what the weather is like, you know, right? You know, things like that, you know, what would you like to eat, you know, what would Mother Yashoda cook, you know, like that. Try to find some recipes there, you know, what Prabhupada is to cook, you know, like that. So what pure devotees cook like that, you know. Moreover, Vrithasur also understood the need to tolerate lives on Solota with equal equanimity. As he mentions, we should be equally poised, happiness and distress, since they are both temporary conditions ultimately outcrusted by God. So all these things is temporary. One day he'll be here, tomorrow is gone, you know. As, uh, as they say, uh, time heals everything, you know. Over time, you know, somebody dies, you know, for a little while, everybody is so, you know, you know, one week later, two weeks later, one month later, you probably don't remember about it, you know, you know, and people move on. Lord Krishna says, O son of Kunti, the non-permanent appearance of happiness and distress and their dependence in due course are like the appearance and disappearance of winter and summer season. They arise from sense perception, O son of Bharata, when one must learn to tolerate them without being disturbed. O best among the men, Arjuna, 
The person who is not disturbed by happiness and distress is steady in both and certainly eligible for liberation. Since happiness and distress come and go like winter and summer, we should respond to them with equanimity. Such composure enables us to carry our duties and break free from this material, material bondage. So we are actually basically controlled by the three modes of material nature. Are we controlled by the three modes of material nature? Or is the body controlled by the three modes of nature? But since we are in the body, then we are affected by it, you know. But you have to be, you know, uh, you have to actually understand this and try to, you know, look at it from a distance, you know. Now, the lesson or the question comes in here is that Indra is a devotee. Right? We can understand. And Vrithasur is a demon. And how can, you know, he be so elevated? Right? So we'll just go a little bit back to just give an overview of what actually basically happens. You know. So in his previous life, Vrithasur was a Chitraketu. He was a king. He was a very king, a very powerful king. And I think he had one million or ten million wife, queens, something like that, you know. My head goes off to him, and I can't even look after one, you know. <laughs> and he had ten million, but none of them could give him a son, you know. So he had all these opulence, you know. If somebody had a million wife, okay, I don't know, it's ten million, let's say one million, it's still, you know. Had that many wives, you know. Right? And how many, how big his palace would be, how big his, you know, kingdom be, how much opulence he would. You understand what I'm talking about, it, right? He was so powerful, right? And, uh, but, he was unhappy. Why wasn't he happy? Because he has, didn't have a son. And what does son, having a son mean? Because they are the ones who save you, you know, they are the ones who give you, what do you call uh, what is the word when the somebody dies? Pindadan and all those things, you know, at the time of death. So that when you are, wherever you are stuck, you go on, you know. I have been thinking, you might have the answer to this problem. Just, uh, you know, I've been thinking. When Pandu, he was in the Pitralok, right? And then he was asked, he asked Narad Muni to ask, uh, you just tell Maharaj to do the asma yogi you know. Why was he there? You know, I'm just thinking you now, he is such a powerful, his sons are pure devotees, you know, Kunti is such a, you know, why was he stuck there? You know? Like, ask me Guru Maharaj, you know. <laughs> then tell me. You know. I was just thinking when I was reading this, you know. But what it means is that people are there, you know, and we may in our fear, not a few people, I don't know. Now that actually puts a doubt in my head, you know, you know, you know, do we have to go there, you know, do we need a son to actually help us, you know. You know so I think we do our as much as we can so we don't have to go there, you know, we go back to go there straight away when we leave this body, you know. So, um, Chitraketu, you know. And he was like that, he was quite disturbed. And Angira comes there, you know, Angira, right? Yeah, Angira, right? 
and then he comes there and he asks him about how is everything and then finally he discloses that he doesn't have a son so he does some yagya and something and by that he gets a son from his oldest queen right so they have a son and then you know finally you know after a million wives one million ten million ten million right so you're looking for it ten million queens you know one of them have a kid you know and what does the king does he spends all the time with the son and who is with the son the queen you know so his affection actually grows for the queen because she's the one who gave him what is most treasured by him and what happens to the other ones they become envious and they kill the son you know so this is what envy does you know so that son gave him so much happiness but it also gave him so much bliss you know and this is where narad muni and angira comes again and they actually preach to him you know he said this is all temporary you know right so he becomes a devotee you know he started doing devotional service he starts chanting hare krishna hare krishna 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 hare 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 rama hare rama 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 hare and he gets some power to travel and one day while he's traveling he sees lord shiva and parvati sitting on his lap and he smiles you know why does he smile Parvati took it as a small uh, offense, but why did he smile? Because at that time, Lord Shiva was preaching, and he was saying, "Look at how great Lord Shiva is! You know, he has a beautiful woman sitting in his lap, and he's not affected by it. You know? He's still so much focused in his devotion. He's not attached to you know women. You know? So he smiled like that. You know, he was smiling at the glory of Lord Shiva." but she took it as an offense and cursed him to become a demon and that's the demon is which was so so he was a devotee you know when he started devote doing devotion he saw krishna face to face he saw god face to face so he was that advanced of the devotee and he had enough power to counteract the offense and lord shiva tells parvati he can he could have do it you know, but he doesn't He did not do it because this is devotees. You know, they accept everything as mercy of the Lord. Whatever happens, Krishna wants it to happen. Accept it and try to use that in service of Krishna. And here the same person, he is trying to. He is in demon. He is trying to encourage. You know, Lord Indra to kill him, to fight with him. He loses. He said, "Hey, come on! This is not the time to worry about it. Come on, pick you, pick it up. You hit with that." He even. in the did not even have fight in what lord has said that if he use this weapon he can kill me and then he encourages and kills him you know and then finally indra realizes that he had killed not only a brahman but a pure devotee of the lord you know and then everybody is happy that the demon is killed but indra is very sad because everywhere he sees he sees a woman the woman is old this you know she's very sickly she's very thin and she's chasing after him so wait wait indra wait indra in this wherever he goes you know he's she's chasing after him and who is that sin personified 
And then finally he goes to a sarovar, you know, where Sikhan enter and he stays there for one thousand years, you know, he does meditation in there, you know, get purified in the stems of the lotuses. Why? Because that's a place of Lakshmi Devi, so Kodas he could not go there. And yeah, so this is what you're going to hear about in the next few chapters. This was just an overview of what, you know, try to learn the lessons, you know, just don't try to list this, what is, you know, what we're trying to learn from this, you know. Bhagavad Gita, it gives the principles, you know, Krishna spoke this, this is what we write. And Srimad Bhagavatam is telling that in the story form, you know. So you have to relate the two, what Krishna said there and what here. And one of the things is, you know, if the demigods, are like this, why worship them, you know? The other one is you should worship Krishna. Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God, you know? These are the lessons you learn from this. Tick. Any questions? Any comments? Yes. Hare Krishna. Louder, louder. You said? We should always pray to Krishna. We should pray to Krishna not to get rid of the problem, to give us the ability to overcome that problem. You know? So if you have a problem, for example, what is the problem? Give me a problem that you see. What kind of problem are you talking about? Being sick, right? So you can pray to Krishna, please Krishna, you know, I want to go to the temple. If I'm sick, I can't go to the temple, you know. Make me healthy so I can go to the temple. I can associate with the devotees and things like that. But you also have to understand that when you are sick, then you can stay at home and you can do more chanting. You don't have to go to the school, you know. So it's... You know, that way you can actually... What you have to do is, whatever the situation is, try to connect it to Krishna. And try to understand why this is happening. You know, that's the most important thing. Everything that happens in our life, we try to find out, why is Krishna doing this? What is the lesson for us to learn from If you are getting sick, what does that mean? Do you like to be sick? But as long as we have this body, we'll always get sick, right? So what is the lesson? Get a body that does not get sick, right? Isn't that right? So how do you do that? By doing devotional service, by chanting. So the more you get sick, the more you chant, the more you read, the more prasadam you take, you know. And if you all this devotional service, then you don't get this body again that gets sick, it does get old and then you go back to old forever and then, you know, you don't get sick anymore. But Krishna also gets sick, right? Does he? Hmm? Krishna has headache, right? Remember that past time about Krishna getting headache? Okay. Any other questions? Any other comments? Are you happy? The answer question? Yes, please. 